the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And welcome back as we head into our third hour. It is a privilege to bring back Anna Borshevskaya. She is a senior fellow with the Washington Institute for Near East Policy. Uh, you can follow her work on Twitter at Anna Borsch, A-N-N-A-B-O-R-S-H. Her book, Putin's War in Syria, Russian Foreign Policy and the Price of America's Absence. Anna, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Of course. Anna, um, I was having a, a discussion with some folks, a casual discussion the other day. Uh, maybe it was two days ago. And the point they were making is uh, for you know several weeks now, about two months it feels like, but it, at least several weeks, uh, the, the, the war in Ukraine, the Russia invasion of Ukraine dominated everything. And it's still a story. It's a little bit less than it was. Things aren't necessarily getting better. Um, I, I don't know if patience is moving on, but you tell us, and what we need to know what the latest is. How are you thinking about and what are you seeing taking place as between Russia and Ukraine right now? Uh, well, the latest we're seeing is that Russian forces uh, uh, at least partially retreated from Kiev and moved east and south. What it looks like is that the Russian forces are... Um, rather than uh, have uh, abandoned the idea of trying to take the capital and instead are looking to um, to move with an offensive in the east and south. And that is something that we should be watching uh, in the days ahead. What is the impact or import of them moving east and south? Did the Ukrainians defend Kiev sufficiently so that that's now a no-go zone for the Russian military? Or is uh, the Russian military just as fine and, and happy to, to leave Kiev alone and move towards, what, the Black Sea or something like that? Well, it's, um, it, as, as you're aware, I'm sure the Russian military has suffered incredibly yeah. heavy loss. Right. And what they, have, um, what they have calculated is that uh, is they've, they've, they've tried to scale down uh, their goals. Rather than, so it, this move suggests that rather than taking an entire country, um, uh, as they had originally hoped, um, they are going to only go for strategic certain certain strategic parts of the country, which will be it, it's a smaller goal, mm-hmm. which frankly is what what would have been um, the the the, um, the the original um, expectation um, from the very beginning. I think for for analysts like me, uh, the only surprise was not the invasion itself, but the scale of the invasion. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, but what what this does say is that uh, this conflict is uh, far, far, far from over, and there's still over, and there's still a number of ways that it's going to unfold. So this will stay with us for, for weeks ahead. Anna, we're all kind of trying to learn about Russia history and military. We're trying to learn what you know. Uh, you know, we're doing we 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 the lay lay people in America are trying to you know learn as much as we can. We haven't, you know, studied Russia or thought about it in an awfully long time, perhaps even as long as a generation. One of the theses that was operating, I don't know if it still is, one of the theses that was operating about Russia 
is that, or at least Vladimir Putin, is that if 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 he feels uh, or if he thinks uh, he is being contained and constrained, he will become ever more aggressive, perhaps even going to things that we thought unimaginable, whether they happen to be cyber attacks or even something much more kinetic than that. Is the massacre, if that's the right word for it, at Buka, a sign of that? Was that a rogue effort? Was that a uh, was that a dead enders effort? What are we to make of Russian military doing things like that, or elements of the Russian military? Well, unfortunately, I think it was inevitable because uh, Russian uh, pre- previous Russian interventions all uh, followed um, in broad strokes. Uh, the same pattern of behavior in terms of committing atrocities. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen that in Chechnya when um, when the, the Russian military basically raised Grozny to the ground. Uh, uh, we saw that in Syria, especially where, uh, of course, Putin wasn't the only actor uh, butchering uh, the Syrian people. It was also Bashar al-Assad. But nonetheless, Putin supported uh, these activities. And what we saw uh, in Syria in particular, the tactic was utilization of humanitarian uh, corridors, uh, ceasefires, escalation agreements, and so forth, uh, really to uh, only allow Assad to regroup, to allow uh, bombing of civilian uh, infrastructure. And that's exactly what we saw the Russians doing in Syria, not just not just the Syrians, uh, not just Assad, the Assad regime. So, uh, unfortunately, there was... Uh, there was every reason to expect that uh, that um, an atrocity like this was only a matter, like the one in Bucha, that was, that was only a matter of time. And I suspect we're going to see more. That was my question to you, Anna. Uh, will we see more? Because, I mean, if you're Vladimir Putin, I mean, again, you tell us the thinking or the psychology there. But if you're Vladimir Putin and you, A, invade a country... Uh, and no one really does that much to you, um, and then be engaged in massacres without consequence. What message do you have? Do you take away other than we can continue doing this? Well, that's exactly right. For 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 well over a decade and a half, um, Putin has never really paid a price mm-hmm. um, for for any of his um, uh, any of his acts of aggression, from Georgia to Ukraine to Syria, and the scale of of his um, uh, uh, interventions has grown. And, and so um, and what you're seeing is essentially uh, the Russian state uh, basically violating virtually every norm, um, international norm at this stage. Uh, we may uh, yet see use of chemical weapons mm-hmm. as well. That, that is unfortunately a possibility. Yes, and, 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 and I'm guessing that Vladimir Putin you know, may read the United States in some respects better than we here read our own country. Joe Biden's rhetoric has been very, uh, I I was going to say lofty. It's been strong. His rhetoric has been strong. Actions may be a separate matter, but Joe Biden's rhetoric has been very strong. But you know what? So too was Barack Obama's rhetoric when he was president and was warning Russia about using chemical weapons. But the lesson Vladimir Putin had to have taken from Barack Obama's uh, verbiage uh, in two presidencies ago was that you can do this sort of thing and we'll still be here. Not much will change. In fact, I think it was Barack Obama's brainchild to allow Russia to come back into the Middle East as a result. I mean, in some respects, 
Syria was rewarded and Russia was rewarded with that, even though the rhetoric was tough. I, I mean, I, I, if you're Vladimir Putin and you're looking at Biden and the legatee of the Obama administration, you shouldn't expect to be dealt with too toughly, I'm guessing. That's right. Uh, that's right. And unfortunately, it was Obama's weakness, uh, an expectation that Russia would find itself in a quagmire in right. Syria uh, that ultimately allowed Russia to establish a very important strategic position on the eastern Mediterranean. Um, and what we're seeing right now with the Biden administration is a little bit different. There's a greater, there was a greater recognition, um, uh, and certainly Ukraine um, did receive uh, help, or perhaps not, not enough. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, we've also seen a revival of NATO, and um, so it's it's more of a mixed picture. But uh, the 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 common, I guess, the commonality, if we look back to the previous administration, it was administrations really. It's, it's more of a risk aversion when it comes to Russia, mm-hmm. uh, whereas and sort of fear that that we just don't want to escalate too much. Whereas Putin is never afraid to escalate. Uh, we were also. And this was a bigger concern. Well, this was more in the news last time we talked several weeks ago, Anna. We were also worried that Russia, you know,'s move into Ukraine being one big bad thing was one big bad thing. But we were also worried, you know, he wanted to move into other countries as well from there, possibly, possibly even Poland. You're telling us as they're moving southward, is that off the table or not necessarily so yet? Well, in, in, at this particular time, uh, at this particular time, it seems that the focus is more on eastern and southern Ukraine. However, however, this is more of a, in terms of timing, this is more of an immediate uh, uh, sort of tactical move. If we listen, if, if you listen to Dmitry Medvedev, who uh, is a former uh, Russian president, right? Uh, uh, we, just uh, several days ago, had talked about described the. The, Ukraine, the invasion of Ukraine, of course, he called it a special operation, yeah. uh, as, as as something uh, as 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 a way of um, creating basically a Eurasian state from Lisbon to Vladivostok. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so uh, if if we think a little bit more long term, beyond just the immediate uh, sort of days and weeks, the fact of the matter is, um, other countries, uh, like we talked about Moldova and perhaps other countries as well, certainly remain. Uh, vulnerable. Uh, in, I believe we discussed before, too, that the invasion of Ukraine was about Ukraine, but also about a lot more than Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it's sort of this comment, again, about Eurasian, uh, Eurasian land from Vladivostok to Lisbon is also telling. Well, you are so helpful on all of these questions, Anna Borshevskaya. I want to thank you, and thank you again for coming on last minute. It just, uh, we had a cancellation, and it dawned on me. You know, it would be a great thing to check in with you. Appreciate your scholarship. Appreciate your time. Appreciate your analysis so very much, Anna. I really do. Of course, do. it's my pleasure. My thank pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you very much. Folks, you can follow her work at on Twitter, at Anna Borsh, A-N-N-A-B-O-R-S-H. Uh, You can check out her book, Putin's War in Syria, Russian Foreign Policy and the Price of America's Absence. She is a senior fellow at the Washington Institute for Near East Policy. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960, your show here on out. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Gold has been used as money for nearly 3,000 years, and it's still 
is a common sense investment that's simple and straightforward. You don't need salespeople, pushy, commissioned, or otherwise telling you why you want gold. You already probably want it. What you want is a reputable dealer with advice based on experience and a complete range of coins and bullion. So you get what you want at the single best value you can find. Enter Midas Gold Group, veteran-owned, proud supporters of America First, this show right here on 960 The Patriot. They are fighting for your right to the financial privacy and freedom that gold offers. Trust the dealer that I and Seb Gorka and thousands of our listeners know and trust, and that's the Midas Gold Group. You bet I have silver and gold from them. Give them a call at 480-360-3000 or check them out online at MidasGoldGroup.com. Good folks over there. All right, where are we going to next, Bill? Doug in Carefree. Hello, Doug. Hi, Seth. Uh sort of a often on listener and first time caller. Oh, well, thanks. Welcome. Uh, the only time Well, the only reason I'm an off and on listener is because I I have to listen to you. Uh, I live off grid out in the county. Okay. Not actually in Carefree, but Okay. Yeah, I want to discuss um, you know, everyone's kind of getting exercised over Bucha, which is horrible. Uh, but from the very first day we've seen similar atrocities being carried out in Mariupol yep. and border on and 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 honestly, in Donetsk and Luhansk, for eight years, mm-hmm. the rebels have been doing similar atrocities to force, you know, the non-compliant Ukrainians and even, you know, Russian-speaking Ukrainians to either leave or submit. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this, it, you know, your your guest was right on. This this is not something that's new to the Russian forces. Um, the Russians raped two million Germans. At the end of World War Two, and um, so that's a staggering number, um, and it, it was policy. It wasn't just because of their yeah. It wasn't rogue, it wasn't rogue um, rogue elements is what you're trying to say. Exactly. Yeah. And so I I, I so um, the Russians are deflecting and saying that this is all staged yep. and fake, and yep. um, th- this has been. Uh, I spent 32 years in the U.S. Army, and so, um, you know, humanity, you know, with a thin veneer of civilization that, that keeps humanity on the right side of morality, you know, is usually has to be uh, maintained, and in the military it's called good order and discipline. Mm-hmm. And it, it strikes me that this level of atrocity, you know, you, you, you had... We had a couple things. Uh, the Russian military does not have a non-commissioned officer corps. You know, it really doesn't have sergeants. So, so lieutenants are expected to do what uh, an E-5 sergeant would do, and they're not respected by the troops, and they don't have the, you know, the the personal acumen or the interpersonal skills to ride herd over forty or fifty, you know, hyped up, adrenalized youngsters. And then if you just look at the corruption that is the Russian Federation, you know, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to rape a teenager. I'm going to steal a car. I'm going to rob a bank. The lieutenant's not going to do anything. And so it's game on. And it's, and and I say all that as prologue to say that, you know, the general staff condones it. Putin condones it. So, you know, they'll, they'll deflect and say, oh, it was just rogue elements. But just like 
1945 with 2 million rapes, it's policy. And it may not be written down anywhere, but the worst policies usually are just a wink and a nod. And so it, it, it uh, you know, so when, when I first heard Dennis Prager say, you know, tough guys, we're the world's policemen, suck it up cupcake and just accept the fact oh yes he, he makes the point not. that being being who we are and as strong as we are we have a moral responsibility right that that kind of point right right, mm-hmm. right. and and so and so the the kind of the feckless nature of our of our responses to to this um we we've actually we're coming up on our sixth week of of watching it every night on the news mm-hmm. and it's just not bucha it's not mariupol it's not Dnipro. it's not you know, Donetsk and Luhansk. I mean, every time, you know, uh, an apartment building is hit with a, a, a piece of ordinance, and there's and it, it, the way we target in the military, if if troops are in a building and there are civilians there, we do everything we can to minimize collateral damage. Mm-hmm. But the law of land warfare says, okay, if there's if it's occupied by troops, it's a legitimate target. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've heard some pundits say, "Oh, well, you know, they're 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 only hit, they're only shelling the buildings that you know have troops in them." Well, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, nine, you know, what is it? Ninety-five percent of Mariupol has been rubbled. Mm-hmm. You know, the the Azov Battalion is a few thousand dudes, and Mariupol is a good-sized city. So I don't think they were in ninety-five percent of the structures that make up Mariupol, and so it's just it's just ludicrous on its face. And uh, I don't remember the name of the pundit that kind of, you know, threw shade on the fact that, you know, we, we should, you know, call these war crimes. But, you know, he was defending the, the Russians, just indiscriminate use of. Yeah, of D- Doug, I got to do this and I don't know. What, what you, I got to take a quick break, um, but I want to talk. You've you've put out a lot. I would like to talk to Are you able to, to uh, stay on over the break and come back on on the other segment when we come back? Sure, no problem. I, I would appreciate that very much. Also, as we go to break, Doug, uh, you're obviously very learned about uh, Russia, Russian history, Russian geography. Um, maybe think about on the break, if you would, for our audience, you know, a good book that you have liked or learned from that you would recommend to people. I, I, because I'm very serious about what I said to Anna earlier, which is whenever these things happen, many of us will remember after 9-11, we, 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 we crave information about an area, a geography, a people, a religion, a you name it, that we hadn't thought about in forever. And so, you know, people were saying, where do I go to learn about Afghanistan? Where do I go to learn about radical Islam? Where do I go to learn about Saudi Arabia? Doug, if you have a book or something you want to recommend on the other side, that would be great. But I do want to pick up on a lot of what you said and talk with you about it because I think you've put your finger on a lot of things that need to be discussed. That's why we are here. We call it a talk show for a reason. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Doug and Carefree, first-time caller, uh, tremendous uh, level of, uh, of of knowledge and insight on, on the Russia-Ukraine goings-on. Uh, Doug, before I pick up on some of what you said, do you have any scholars or books you recommend on getting people up to speed? I have in the past. It's been a long time. I've read Richard Pipes, even Ann Applebaum back in her day to get, I guess, what I know about Russia. I don't know if they're people you like or, or recommend or if something else. I, I, but your your level of knowledge about the the country, the history, and the geography is is impressive. Well, 
I guess I would offer, um, it's not actually a book about Russia per se, but it's called The Forgotten Soldier by Guy Sazer, and it's his, his autobiography of his time on the Eastern Front. Ah, okay. And what struck me, I, I read that when I was probably a freshman or a sophomore at Arizona State going through ROTC, uh-huh. and it was just the, the level of suffering on both sides. Yeah. But the, the Russians just... <laughs> They they had this unending number of 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 just this sea of humanity that they could throw at the at the issue yeah. that would just overwhelm the Germans and I um, I guess the the contemporary analog would be that you know he, he hasn't moved to total mobilization Putin um, so it tells me that you know his resources are limited to some extent even though he's getting you know, a billion dollars every few days from oil and gas sales. But he has, like any crime family, being the capo de capo, mm-hmm. you know, he, 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 everyone has to, everyone's dipping their beak in that cash flow, mm-hmm. you know, downstream. And so, you know, it sounds like a huge number until you realize that, you know, he's got to feed a lot of people mm-hmm. and downstream to keep them in line, mm-hmm. you know, just to use the mafia, because he, he is a gangster. Mm-hmm. Um, his, fir- his, his first job as the deputy mayor of St. Petersburg is he was put in charge of this uh, Western European relief fund that was supposed to feed, this was nine, uh, see, this would have been, I don't know, 88, 89, something like that, mm-hmm. you know, just as the wall's falling, mm-hmm. you know. No, I'm sorry, ninety ninety one, so, somewhere in there. Shortly after. It was two hundred okay. fifty million dollars, yeah. and he stole ninety five percent of it. You know, ninety five percent of the money that was supposed to go to feed Russians and keep them alive, he stole, and then spread out to the other other gangsters, the Slaviki, you know, in Russian society. Um, I, I've read Russian poetry, some Russian authors. You know, you kind of put me on the spot. So I no, no, I no. But, I mean, you know. you, you've spent, obviously, so, a lifetime of learning about this, either casually or otherwise. And uh, it's 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 fabulous. I love having an audience that can, you know, where callers are as good as our guests or as important as our guests here and then sometimes even more knowledgeable. I guess I wanted to raise two things based on what you said, uh, Doug, in your, in your previous segment with us, which is, first – um, yes, I like the phrase you use, this thin veneer of civilization we all hang on to. Um, and then, you know, we kind of go berserk when we see when we when we see it torn. If that's is that the right extension of that metaphor? When we see that veneer, you know, uh, slip and 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 we don't know quite what to do with it. I think the first thing we have to do with it is is, is know that that's actually more common, the slippage of the veneer than the veneer itself. You know, the history of the world is not a pretty history. Uh, And we also, I would add, I think in the United States, have this tendency uh, to think that the rest of the world thinks like we do. The rest of the world respects life like we do. The rest of the world uh, takes its views of uh, humanity and civility and uh, old concept called uh, 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 justice in war the same way. 
Um, the rest of the world does not do that. The rest of, we, we are an interesting, unique outpost of belief given the rest of the world and how they view humanity, civility, war, war crimes. Uh, what we think of as a war crime, they may think of as another Wednesday. <clears throat> that's, that's another thing I wanted to put on the table that I think goes to your point here. And I think to that degree you were talking about Mariupol and the goings on there, we're all focused on what took place in the massacre just outside of Kiev. You know, these things have been going on routinely. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. That also is not a news story. The U.S. has only so much attention span to and for these things. I mean, you think about what took place in Syria. You had a semi-serious candidate for president who didn't even know what the massacre was that was taking place in Syria that everyone else was talking about back in the, uh, I guess it was the 2012 election. Doug, this was a short segment. If you want to stay, I will. I would love to pick up with you because I have another point I want to raise with you about propaganda, Russia and Ukraine. If you can stay, I would love to have you. If you can't, I would invite you to call back. Either way, your choice. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Doug and Carefree um, talking to us about Russia. Thanks for staying with us, Doug. You put out a lot. I responded with a lot. And I have one more thing I want to respond with to get your take on and address anything I said or further any point you you, you had made earlier. And it's this point about, um, I don't know if Russian apologists is too strong a word, but this quest to reveal – uh, this quest to define the, some of the atrocities we see as propaganda, perhaps casting shade or doubt on the accuracy of the inhumanity that we are witnessing. The question I'm raising here, Doug, with you, if you can help me figure this out, is um, a, some of it is true. I mean, there is a fog of war. Not everything you get on your first report in a battlefield is going to be the absolute 100 percent truth. Uh, truth is the first casualty of war is an old old line that you, of course, would know being in the military as well. But what explains this, to me, odd odd quest to find those the, the, those exceptions to the story? What what explains this effort to kind of backhandedly um, backhandedly sanitize Vladimir Putin and the Russian military? What explains this interest? in trying to make him look less bad than he is. Do you pick up what I'm kind of putting down? It's a, it's an odd thing I'm noticing. People don't want to go so far as to say Putin's in the right, but they do want to say and they do work hard at finding reasons to say, well, it's not that bad. You're picking up a little bit of that yourself, Doug? Well, I guess, I guess my response would be is um, the alternative – if if you accept, if you don't um, conflate and deflect and and soften Putin, then you're left with the conundrum of well then I have to act. Uh. You know, I, I I I either I either soften him so he's not a uh, you know you know evil incarnate. Right. That way I don't have to act. Mm-hmm. You know I can sit. You know I can sit and. And, and in my chair of punditry, you know, and, and, and do my thing, you know, and I don't have to physically man up, you know, and pick up a rifle and go, 
you know, and, you know, the current, you know, iteration of, of, of the Kievan Rus, you know, which, you know, the funny thing about Russian history is the, the Russian identity started in Kiev in 832, you know, so it's a very odd thing that you would want to fire artillery and rockets into the birthplace of your Russian culture. Mm-hmm. But that, that, you know, that being said, you know, the, the, the greater problem is it's called Maskarovka on the, on the Russian side, you know, deception, Maskarovka, you know. And so, like, when they shot down the Malaysian airliner with a, a you know, from a Buk anti-aircraft or air defense system, you know, that was clearly Russians using a Russian piece of equipment with a Russian missile, you know, forensic evidence of a fragmentation pattern. Th- on this the was the thing from about ten or nine, eight or nine or ten years ago, or something like that, right? Flight. Yes, it, yeah. it was. It was soon soon after the the seizure of Crimea, okay. and soon after the Donetsk and Luhansk uh, rebels stood up. Yeah, and a Malaysian, for whatever reason, a Malaysian airliner was flying over the conflict airspace. Right, and it got shot down. Right. Now, and <laughs> on. Even even as uh, it, it it shows a true lack of training on the operator of the Buk air defense system because the radar cross section of a, a Malaysian seven 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 versus an F fifteen or a Mig twenty nine, I mean it's like six seven eight ten times the size, but they shot at it anyway. Mm-hmm. But it, you know that not being said, um, the Russians aren't well trained. You know it's just you know. And, and they don't seem to care to be, right, Doug? Isn't that part of your point? They don't seem to care to be. They can just be brutes. Well, um, yes, it's not a bug in the system to be indiscriminate right. in the use of your you know, ordinance. Right. It's, it's, it's your policy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to lay waste because, you know, as Clausewitz said, the moral is three to one is the physical. So if I can break your moral, mm-hmm. you know, through the use of indiscriminate, you know, ordinance hitting your city, well, okay, so be it. Mm-hmm. The problem that the Russians are facing it is that it is when Zelensky was running for office, this was something that I've discovered only after the conflict started, basically he ran on a platform that said that at some point we're going to have to fight the Russians, you know, and if you elect me, that may be, a, you know, something that is in our future. And one of his key advisors, I can't pronounce his name, I'm not even going to try, basically gave an interview saying, listen, this is what, you know, you vote for Zelensky, we're going to fight the Russians, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're going to fight them for our independence to be a truly independent country. And so when you have a national polity that signs up for that program, you know, and and so when was Zelensky elected? Uh, 2014, 2016? Sounds about right. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so so the Ukrainian people, uh, they're in for the big win. You know, you know they're you know they're not here just you know. I mean, they're pissed off now because of these atrocities. When you kill when you kill someone's grandma, you know, or their grandpa, or their kids, or their wife, or whatever, it kind of gets real personal. And so now it's a blood feud between two Slavic nations. You know, and you know the Ukrainians refer to the Russian soldiers as orcs. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's a common practice to dehumanize your enemy because killing people is not an easy thing for most people psychologically. Right. You know, but it, it does tell you, you know, how two people that essentially share, you know, from 832 going forward, you know, a common 
you know, cultural kind of underpinning, you know, the Ukrainians are in this for the big win. They, yep. You know, so this thing's going to last a while. I think you're and, right about um, that. I think you're right about that. And I think the frustration is going to build here, given the options we have that are so limited. I think, I think, Doug, but your your call is, was, was so very helpful. First-time caller, uh, <laughs> call again, <laughs> please. Uh, you said you listen sporadically just because of the technology um, grid you live in. Um, 960thepatriot.com uh, uh, has all our shows. We have an app if that helps, but would welcome you anytime. Your expertise has been tremendously helpful to us, Doug. And thank you for your service, not just to the show, obviously, but to our country. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, and thank you for spending some of your afternoon with us. I love spending mine with you. I learned so much from you all. Really appreciate you. Take none of you for granted. In what Doug was talking about in the history of Russia, he talked about the Malaysian flight that uh, Russia shot out of the sky. Uh, Oh, about 10 or so years ago, I'm remembering it most only very vaguely, uh, Flight 17 perhaps it was. But I remember better the earlier one, which was the shooting down of KAL, Korean Airlines 007. And I remember how angry and strong Gene Kirkpatrick was at the United Nations on this, our ambassador, calling out uh, the violence and the lies that were instruments of what she then called accurately Soviet policy. Not much has changed. Violence and lies, that was, that, was her, that was her phraseology, were instruments of Soviet policies. She said the officials there regularly behave as though truth were only a function of force and will. I was talking about this in my monologue yesterday. Yes, much of the world does believe that might makes right. This was part of my monologue yesterday. We did it differently here, hoping with all our normative absolutes, which no longer seem to be so absolute anymore, do they, that, as Lincoln put it, right would make might. It's not the way most of the world thinks. We were talking about the line that we hang by a thin a thin thread in this civilization. I think that's a quote of Carl Jung's. And I believe he said that that, that thin thread we hang by is determined by our psyche, by our psyche. You have a corrupted psyche, you will have a falling from that thin thread that holds us all and binds us all together. All right, folks, there's a lot to think about there, a lot. First thought I had was a political one. Everyone knew who Jim Kirkpatrick was calling out the Soviet lies. Does anyone know who the U.N. ambassador to the U- from the U.S. is right now, and is she doing anything? It would be hard to know, wouldn't it? Absence of leadership. It runs riot here. Until tomorrow, God bless you all, and class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.